Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, are you not concerned? And there are some OGs in Flowery Branch that might actually help QB1 to go from good to better. And last but not least, and for the culture, Mike Vrabel out here doing some good. He made good, like the old folks used to say. It's ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast. Make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day Ones is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in 10 minutes, Cal Plitz plus Desmond Ritter. What does that look like in 2023? We'll talk about that. But first, we have to talk about the Atlanta Braves. They lose to the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates T, 7-6. Spencer Strider goes two and two-thirds innings, gives up six runs, and he just looking like a relief pitcher last night, T. And I know that, you know, a lot of people looked at Spencer Strider and Max Free, you know, kind of like 1A, 1B, but he looks like 6A last night. Yeah, and when you have Charlie Morton out there looking like he did and Bryce Elder looking like he did in the last series, that's where the concern starts to come in. And here are two things I thought about as well from a Braves country perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I can understand why Braves country might be panicking. Number one, it always goes back to things like this trigger them one ring, 14 division titles. That's always going to trigger them, right? And then you're talking about a historic offense in the Braves. A lot of Braves country is also part of Rise Up ATL country, which means you're traumatized still by getting almost to the prize, 28 to three, and then you didn't get there. So there's a legitimate, and that was one of the most historical historic offenses ever to grace the field in the NFL. So I can see why this fan base might be concern what's concerning to me is you're having this happen i get that yeah you have about 50 games left in the season that's a good thing that's a good thing but you're also having it happen too often to the point where consistent poor starts are starting to be more the norm or the rule than the exception taking max freed out of there but you do not want to pin all your hopes dreams and aspirations on a guy that just came off the 60-day il who had exactly one stellar outing just one now, let's see what happens in his second outing. Hopefully, no injury issues will happen, and we'll see him in a third outing. And then you can start to feel really, really comfortable. And there's encouragement coming for the bullpen. D- Dylan uh, Lee has another rehab assignment tonight, and hopefully that will go well to get him that much closer to coming back. But I got to tell you, that was a very, very uncomfortable game to watch and listen to because, again, I said, okay, yes, you only need three pitchers once you get into the postseason to give you quality starts but who are they going to be? I mean, because you still don't know what Kyle Wright is going to look like when he comes back in September. So that's where you start to get a little bit of Anjana. Now, look, we're not panicking. You shouldn't be panicking either. The Braves certainly aren't. But I thought it was interesting when Brian Snicker seemed perplexed in postgame about answering what the heck he saw 
in Spencer Strider last night. So the skipper can't answer it. And maybe Rick Kranitz can't answer it. I know it sure has me scratching my head and wondering if this is going to be something that we see because pitchers can just figure out Spencer Strider and say, hey, as long as we're still in this thing, even if he's up in the count, as long as we've got one more pitch to hit, we can hit it. And then, hey, maybe six of us in a row will do the same thing. That was scary. Yeah, I'm concerned. Like, I'm I'm just going to be out there. That's, that's where I am. With it. Because you yes. look at the last five-star for Spencer Strider, right? He has yeah. a 5.86 ERAT, and he's one and two. And that's not good. And I know that the strikeout thing is real. And I think sure. Peter Worland kind of put it, put it into perspective, and he kind of helps you kind of see visualize what Spencer Strider may be working with. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. It takes a lot of pitches sometimes to strike guys out, right? Like you're talking about maybe a six, seven, you know, uh, 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 if you go into a full count, you go into yep. six or seven pitches and then foul balls fouling and all foul yep. balls and all that stuff. You may get up, you may strike the guy out, but it may be, it may take you 10 pitches to do that. So right. I think that working to try to get those strikeouts and we know that he has the, the, the stuff to do it. I yeah. get it. I understand. But I think, he needs to try to figure out how he can get easier outs. Yes. It's okay to let a guy pop out, you know what yeah. I'm saying, or get a ground ball. We talked about how Max Free had three little measly little singles yep. and six scoreless Friday against the Chicago Cubs. Yes. Those are type of things like you want an easy. I, what, he only yeah. threw like 72 pitches. So I was going to say, what that's is such what an I'm efficient game. About, such an efficient game. Yeah. <laughs> that's such an efficient game. They'll. That's what Spencer Strider uh, needs to work towards because yeah. trying to you know strike everybody out and going to bat and everything like that that can be taxing for sure. It can and taxing when we're now 110 games in, and that's probably all he played the entirety of his rookie season. So right. there may also be that fatigue factor coming in because this will be his first full Major League Baseball season, and you're coming against the best of the best. And there's a lot of pressure on you to, you know, you get your five days and that's it. <laughs> like we right. can't, extra, you know, rarely will he get that extra six days somehow in the rotation to rest his arm. And so, yeah, if you're out there pitching six and seven times to get a batter out and then you're doing that multiple times. Yeah. By the third inning, you very well may have worn yourself down to the point where yeah that last ball could have possibly been a strike but it was such a weak strike that that player could that batter could make contact and then they just did that over and over again until you kind of had to get him out of there but of course you know mike tomkin michael tomkin was able to at least only hold it to one run exactly that was very encouraging and the braves bats did what they could i mean they got him right down to the ninth inning until what i think is austin riley who struck out um, or grounded out, if you will. So yeah. that piece is still encouraging. The fact that they were able to be down six nothing and battled almost all the way back. But again, we got to get back to seeing the Braves do it in every way. And we talked about this yesterday, Jarvis. This is becoming too much of a consistent conversation too. And that's those defensive miscues. That is very, very <sighs> unlike the Braves. Yes, Orlando RC, yeah, like that is you need. Uh, that's what you in there for. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's what got you that plate. job, yeah. not you exactly. at the at the plate. Yeah, that's what got you that job. And then we had talked about this yesterday as well. What we have been seeing out of Eddie Rosario, or not seeing, and who could possibly bring some relief. And unfortunately, Sam Hilliard had a little bit of a setback. So uh, yesterday, so there's not an idea of truly when he might return. Yes, you might have a Kevin Pillar or whatever, but like you said yesterday, he has certain assignments, we'll call it, in what his responsibilities are to this team. So yeah, everybody, I feel like this is, and 
I'll say this and be clear. It's a concern, not a worry, not a stress, not a wigging out, right? But from an right. objective standpoint, this might be that moment where you have that players conversation, right? That all players conversation where we all have a come to Jesus moment and say, okay, it starts with me. What do I need to do a little bit better to help this team get back on track? I think that might be where we are as well. And you know what? And Brian Snicker has done that in the past too, to turn yes. things around. So I think that whether it's a whether it be a player conversation or a manager a managerial conversation, say, hey guys, like we're on the especially you're on the road, so you got plenty of time. <laughs> you got plenty of time to have have one of those come to Jesus moments, like you said, because and and I think that you mentioned something that that kind of really stood out to me. You talking about like the whole um <clears throat> of those guys, Bryce Elder, Charlie Morton. And, and Spencer Strider, like, who is going to be? Like, maybe these guys are taxed, T. Maybe these guys are tired. Like, you mean Spencer Strider, first full season. Charlie Morton, he's old. 39. I mean, oh, he just, he's 39 years old. He just. Yeah, Bryce Elder may be coming back to earth. Yeah, Bryce Elder may be coming back to earth. That whole mental piece, right? Because something's going on, something quite not right. Or he just doesn't have the stuff to be a, a full season you know, uh, a starter type guy. So yeah. these are some of the questions that are starting to come to my mind now too, that, you know, we are, like you said, we're late in the season, second half of the season, Braves are kind of flailing a little bit. Like if they aren't jumping out on you right away, we don't know what the starting pitcher is going to do. <laughs> we don't know if you're going to be able to hold it down right now. And like you said, this is, we're in August right now, September and then October. Yes. October. We have to figure out a way to be ready. And I don't know if the Braves are ready at this moment. Yeah. I want to let you know that this episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the number one sportsbook in America. Guess what, guys? They got a special deal for all you first-timers out there. You looking to bet on Major League Baseball? How about this? Go to FanDuel.com because it is the number one source for all Major League Baseball bets. Because guess what? They can, you can bet on anything from the money line, the over-under, you know, who's going to hit the first home run, you know, Spencer Strider out here giving it up, Charlie Morton out here giving it up, Bryce Elder out here giving it up. You might want to bet against the Braves. You know, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like I'm in my feels about my, my, my team. I don't know what's going on. But here's the thing. For you first-timers, all you got to do is drop 20 bucks, 20 bucks, and you're going to get it up to $200 in bonus bets back if you Bet does win or lose. It doesn't matter. The app is safe, secure, super easy to use. You don't have to worry about anybody getting your information. So here's what I want you to do. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And take advantage of the up to $200 in bonus bets back if your bet win or lose. And guess what? FanDuel is the official sportsbook betting partner of Major League Baseball. And speaking of official, it is official that the Falcons are now where they want to be, which is not competing against each other. They are in Miami <laughs> for joint practices with the Dolphins today and tomorrow, of course, ahead of Friday's game, the first preseason game of this year. And it's exciting because now, you know, Jarvis, we went from OTAs where literally it's just the Underwear Olympics to the first mm -hmm. part of training camp where you get to see a little more action and then the pads come on and then you really start to kind of see that separation, if you will. But we know that the defense also always kind of 
I guess, kind of projects or, or produces, if you will, a little bit faster, right? You right, see yeah. more results like, whoa, whoa, they're so much farther ahead of the go offense. Go ball, go tackle, play this coverage. <laughs> right. <laughs> that simple from the former D lineman. That simple, yes. right, Jarvis? Well, when yes. you talk about X's and O's with the offense, it's a little bit more complex, if you will, and getting that timing right, for example, especially in the receiving game. So Kyle Pitts recently talked about that very thing and how his relationship in his second year working with Desmond Ritter is definitely improving and you look at that combination we talk all the time about the Drake London Desmond Ritter the nine to five if you will Ritter to to London and then we talk mm -hmm. about all of the excitement around the new toy Bijan Robinson and what Desmond mm -hmm. Ritter can do with the new toy but what about the OG toy yep I'm calling him the OG toy and KP right KP is ready yes. he's back he tweeted even last week like yep won't find me on the pup list and that said to me my guy is motivated because he does not talk a lot but when he speaks that's him letting you know he's coming for you so that said is that Ritter Pitts connection maybe going to be the thing that low-key takes this offense to the next level I'll start this way. The answer to that question is yes. But here's, I think it's going to be a little delayed because uh, even though I feel, you know, Kyle Pitts looks like he's 100%, I really haven't feel, I really feel like I haven't seen the Kyle Pitts from, you know, his rookie season. Yeah. Because yeah. we know that last year he was dealing with lots, some injuries and everything yeah. like that. And of course, you know, he was dealing with, a bad quarterback One. that couldn't get in the ball. Right. <laughs> you know, that guy, you know, we're not going to say his name anymore on this show. He's, yep. he's done he's here. One. So it's one. We, he was dealing with one. So that, that one to eight conversation, you know, like, that, you yeah. know it just, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. So I think that if once he's fully healthy and back on the field and comfortable, you know, within that injury, because we know it takes time for guys to get, yeah not only be 100% ready to go on the field, but once you get on the field, you get comfortable and, and, and you know, running routes and making certain mm -hmm. cuts and taking a certain hit that, that's kind of similar to how you got hurt because we know we were questioning, you know, that safety, you know, who had, had hit Kyle Pitts because you're like, man, that's kind of low, dude. Like, yeah. But, you know, hey, that's the only way he can go. So yes. I, I think that when you get onto the field and you start taking those those hits like that, then you're like, okay, all right, I'm good now. Then you start getting better. And then once he once that happens, I feel like if that can happen in preseason, mm -hmm. but I just I got a, a sneaky feeling in my gut, T that we ain't gonna see Kyle Pitts in the preseason. If we do, it's gonna be very, very yeah. limited. So I think that in order for this offense to go to this next level, mm -hmm. like you like you mentioned, I, I think that that connection has to be real, right? Because Everybody has to be an option. If you're talking about a question, if you have a question at quarterback, everybody has to respect that the fact that, hey, we know that we've put on tape that you can go to Drake London. Yeah. You got to be able to put on tape that you can go to Kyle Pitts. You got to be able to put on tape that you can go to Mac Hollins. You got to mm -hmm. be able to put on tape that you can go you to B. John Robinson. And, and yeah, you're right. Miller. So all of, those, all of those weapons that you have and everybody's mm -hmm. ranting and raving about, we got to be able to see those connections and see that you have the rapport with those guys. And I think it starts yeah. with Kyle Pitts for sure. I think so as well. And I think that I agree with you partially. I do think that, well, I'm hoping because we just don't know. We'll see Friday, but yeah. we're looking to see whether or not KP gets some snaps. 
I do agree, however, that if he does, they're going to be very, very limited. And it really probably will just be, hey, we just want to see some real game action versus just simulation, even in joint practices. So I I definitely think that uh, there are some there may be some iterations where we get to see the nine to eight uh, that that particular combo. And I'd like to see because I want to see if Kyle Pitts thinks that that relationship and the communication around it is improving, then I'd love to actually see what that looks like. Now, speaking of part of what could be helpful in Ritter understanding how to, for example, communicate with his receiving core, we'll call it, whether that's your wide receivers, your tight ends, or even your pass catchers out of the backfield, sometimes it's great to have guys who've been there and done that. And nobody's greater. Yes, Jarvis and I will tell you that every time you listen to ATL Day Ones, that nobody's greater for that franchise than Matt Ryan to be able to teach you all of the fundamentals of how to go from good to great as a quarterback. So, of course, last week, I believe it was Legends Day, if you will, and all of the Mm -hmm. luminaries came out last week, including Matt Ryan, who had the ice cubes with him, which was such a cool thing to see. But I think the other piece there is the fact that he was there making himself available to Desmond Ritter and just saying, hey, if there's some, anything you need, any way I can help you, let me know. The other thing I, I like about the Falcons move is this. Matt Schaub, another guy who's a veteran and definitely had some high points in his career, uh, maybe not so much with Falcons, but in other stops uh, along the way in his career, last week the Falcons made him a part of their coaching staff as a football analyst. And that might be really important in terms of learning how to prepare game plans, helping Ritter to mm-hmm. understand how to break down opponents and break down film. But for you, how important is it to Ritter's development that he has players like Matt Ryan and Matt Schaub around him to help him to get to that next level, but also help him to understand how to get there within the Falcons culture. To be honest with you, T, like the first thing that came to mind when you brought, you know, when you brought it up is how Bryce Young and how he's been surrounded with every single Asset tool that you could possibly think of from a coaching standpoint, because mm-hmm. you have a former uh, quarterback in Josh McCown who's on that who's on that staff. You got Thomas Brown, who's a former player, running back OC. Yeah, one of the hottest assistant coaches, a guy who's probably going to be up for a head coaching gig if things all go well this year. And you know, and of course, you got your head coach and Frank Reich. So right. those, when you talk about that triangle right there, right? Like you just have you surrounding him with all the talent and former players as well. So I think that's key as well because I was talking to Jesse Bates and he was talking about uh, Coach Gray and how not, you, you you deal with coaches in a certain way. Yeah. You know, when they, you know, you respect them in a certain way when they've accomplished certain things and, and done a lot of things as a coach. But he said it's 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 a little, it hits a little different when that guy has played the game as well yeah. and played the position that you that he's teaching. He said it's just different. And I think that when you have a guy like a Matt Schaub who's coming in, who's going to be willing to give you all of his time because, you know, football analyst is a broad term, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. what does that entail? So that means to me, like, he can make that whatever he wants to as Mm -hmm. far as spending time with Desmond Ritter and and really investing in him and and trying to see how he can kind of elevate him uh, to to that next level, you know, as he gets ready to become a full-time starter in the NFL. So yeah, I think this is this is this is good. I think this is can be nothing um but beneficial to a guy like Desmond Ritter. And also, you know, having the the vet, you know, Mr. Matt Ryan himself, you know, coming in and offering his time as well. I think yeah. I can he can do nothing but benefit. So you're surrounding this young quarterback with all of the assets and all the resources that you can 
to possibly surround him with because at the end of the day, it has to work. And I think yes. that you give him all the tools. And if it doesn't work, hey, you kind of yeah. you kind of go back to the drawing board, drawing board, excuse me, and, mm-hmm. and, and try to see see what's next. Right. And Matt Ryan is one who is unique as well because he's seen a lot of the things that Desmond Ritter has seen just in terms of, oh, wow, I have Drake London and whoever the heck lines up on the other side. I'm just going to say it that way because <laughs> right. Drake London is the rest Matt of y'all. Collins, right. But, but if, exactly. But what if Matt Collins shows like the Falcons think he can? Then it mm-hmm. might actually look like, and again, I want to be very loose with this because this is a loose comparison, but Matt Ryan can talk about how it, what are the challenges that you might face? Because he had Julio Jones and he had Roddy White and they had to figure out how to work through. And of course you got two superstars arguably with, with that tandem. But my point being learning how to see, okay, this is what Roddy's uh, strong suit is. Right. And so these are the situations mm-hmm. where I'm like, bet I'm going to my guy. Oh, this is where who is going to be. This is his best place. So that's where I'm going to go with who I think those are some critical points as well. Or if you have pass catchers and I would defer to you as someone who's a longtime Falcons fan as to, you know, who might've been the best pass catcher back in that day. I don't know what it'd be war done or, you know, which one of those pass catchers, but somebody that Matt Ryan can say, Hey, I had a pass catcher as well. And I learned how to incorporate him into making us positionless football before it was ever a term or a thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I really like that fact. And finally, I think that the elephant in the room is it takes all of the stress and kind of the tension away from, okay, Matt Ryan is kind of out there as a free agent. Yes, he is technically signed with CBS sports, but this says to me, the Falcons organization is honoring and recognizing the best to ever suit up in that uniform and saying, Hey, yeah, we know it didn't end that well, but we're bringing you back with open arms, maybe in a consultant space. But I think that's also a very positive thing because it's almost like an unofficial passing of the mantle from Matt to Desmond. Yeah. And when you think about it, Arthur Blank, this is part of, all part of his plan. Like, yes. I'm sure he's hedging this because, you know, not to say that Arthur Smith is against it because right. he has reverence for, you know, working Definitely. with Matt in 2021 specifically because, you know, like it was, it was, it was bad. They made, you know, they made uh, what is a lemon uh, lemonade out of lemons. Right. Or as Matt Ryan said in the Athletic, <laughs> it was a, a an ish show up in Indy yeah. that Frank Wright couldn't make work, but Arthur Smith made an ish work up in Flowery Branch. Absolutely. So yeah, I think that you know this this is good for Matt. This can be nothing but beneficial to Desmond Ritter because like he he is QB one, and yes. as much many people you can surround around him to help him be successful, do it. You know, make it happen because yeah. I, I I really feel like, you know, if Desmond Ritter is serviceable to you, like this this offense has the opportunity to to do some really good things in 2023. Indeed. Well, we are going to be looking. But hey, everydayers, what do you guys think about the fact that Matt Ryan is back and offering to be a support system for Desmond Ritter, that Matt Schaub is back in the fold as well as a football analyst? How important can that be? What do you guys think about the importance of KP and Desmond Ritter getting together and connecting to make that offense successful. Drop a comment in the chat. You guys know what to do when you check us out on YouTube. And of course, don't forget to download ATL Day Ones wherever you download your podcasts. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. Because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. T, when we think about, you know, uh, minority 
head coaches in the NFL. You know, we seem like we've been struggling with this thing for at least the past decade or so, a decade and a half or so. And they seem like the 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 the, the, the shining face for it is your guy Mike Tomlin for, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, and his longevity and being the longest tenured coach in the NFL today. But I think that when you talk about being intentional with, in, in your actions and, and, and when it comes to diversity, because that's the only way we're going to get there, yeah. I think Mike Vrabel kind of has, has kind of done that because he announced that assistant head coach and D-line coach Terrell Williams will serve as the Titans head coach versus the Bears on Saturday. He said he will be assisting, but I, you got to think that this has to be great exposure for Coach Williams to be able to be the head coach during preseason and, hey, and say, you know what? This guy may be able to do the job. Yeah, I like the blueprint that Mike Vrabel is setting because this yes. is really a, a great a way precedent. Yep. Exactly. Personally, I like, first of all, his title, assistant mm. head coach. So that's kind of putting him above and beyond just that coordinator's title, if you will, or coaching of a specific group only, right? Uh, right. Same way here with uh, Jerry Gray as an assistant head coach uh, here with Arthur Smith, that AHC title just hits different. And so I think that's a good look, but Mike Brable, I love is taking it a step further and saying, Hey, there are three great opportunities. These are the most critical games. These are the most critical points leading up to the regular season, because outside of maybe specific positions that are etched in stone, like a Derrick Henry, for example, there are positions, starting positions that are up for grabs. In some cases, the the, the too deep, right, is up for grabs. And who's going to be that actual second person to say that you're going to have your assistant head coach in uh, Terrell Walker uh, to be that person? Williams, yeah. Williams, yeah. T.W. T.W. Yeah, for you to say that you're going to have him to be that chief evaluator of that talent that's going to follow you into the regular season when that final roster is determined, I think that is just absolutely amazing. And in the press conference, one of the reporters said, okay, so is something wrong, Coach Brable? Is there, you know, are you not going to be? And before that person could finish, he, he interjected and said, no, I'm going to be there. Nothing is wrong. I'm fine. This is a choice that I'm making to give coach an opportunity to be able to show his skill set and his value to the organization. He's going to be running this show. So I love the fact that he said, let me stop you right there. There's no problem. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm not going to be off somewhere doing something else or I'm sick or what have you. I'm going to be right there, but this guy's running the show. I really love to see it. Yeah. Same here. Um, because here's the thing, like one thing that we learned that the NFL does whatever the hell they want to do. Um, just like we talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about on for the culture and for the culture, the, the NFL does what they want to do as well. And, and when you think about this, the idea of this, like, like it, it, it just really speaks to, you know, like this can be better than what it already is or what we've been able to accomplish so far. Like you said, talking about Tomlin being the face of it, but you know, we need more. Like yeah. we need more guys like Mike Tomlin saying, yeah. Hey, this is a great story. This is right. how this guy's been able to, you know, hold it down for so long and be so successful. And even Bruce Arians was the face of it as it relates yeah. to hiring female coaches. Now, nobody really paid attention to it when he was with the Cardinals because I mean Arizona was really not that great of a team. But when he took over the Bucks. And yes. brought women in. Yeah, on the coaching staff, on the conditioning staff. That's when all of a sudden people paid attention. And he was quite successful and always made you understand two things. Number one, that those women were just as critical and just as crucial to the success of the Bucks as any other 
member of his staff. And number two, he then backed that up with the hiring of a Todd Bowles and the hiring of a Byron Leftwich, and then basically gave a co-sign on Todd Bowles to take over as the Bucks uh, head yes. coach. Again, those are instances and opportunities where you can actually take action and it's not just words, but you're backing it up with something. So yeah, Mike Tomlin, he stands by it. He, he has been doing it for years quietly. Bruce Arians is another one who's doing it. And it's just good to see Mike Vrabel taking the stand as well. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, hopefully this sets a precedent, you know, yeah. for other coaches to do so as well, because those, that's, this is a thing like, because I'm really keeping my eye on this whole Washington commander situation when it comes to Eric Bieniemy, right? Because I just like, that irks me T. like the fact that he yeah. hasn't even had a chance to fail. Like a lot of people, right. you know, have ruled him out and, and, and deemed him not worthy to be a head coach when you know that pretty much every dang on OC for the Kansas City Chiefs has gone on to be a head coach, <laughs> you know, and some yeah. have failed and some have, you know, been gone on to be successful in Doug Peterson. He ended up winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles. So mm -hmm. all of these things kind of like play out the way I feel like this is something that you're going to have to keep, definitely keep an eye on. But I, yeah. I hope Eric Bieniemy, you know, does really well up in Washington so he can finally get that up. But yeah, shout out to Mike Vrabel yeah. for doing what he's doing. And he's, as the old folks say, yeah, they're making some good. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, you know what? We sure hope the Braves make some good tonight because it is really kind of painful when you literally have to watch the guy that most would say would be the second ace of the Braves look like he shouldn't even be in the starting rotation. We understand it was just one game, but it did make us pause a little. So we hope that when we come back and talk to you guys Wednesday that we are talking about a dub with the Braves. More, of course, feedback and reaction from the first joint practice between the Falcons and Dolphins and anything else that happens on this Atlanta sports landscape. You know you better stop right here to get all the tea. Last but not least, share love, show love, and most importantly, spread some love.